Nature's Comics. and welcome to a very special episode of Hey Kids Comics. Today we'll be celebrating the 34th anniversary of Star Wars with a two-part show looking at the Marvel Comics adaptation of the first movie from 1977. We resisted doing this for a while. As you may expect, there's a number of Star Wars podcasts and a number of them devoted to the Marvel Comics series. However, this was my Star Wars back when there was only one movie, Star Wars, not Episode 4, not A New Hope, all that would come later, and one comic series. I'm Andrew Leyland. Um. And Michael apparently has absolutely no voice, which means I get to do this one on my own! How exciting is that? You're Andrew Leyland. Yes, and you're not. No. Who are you? I'm Michael Leyland. Well done. And we're your hosts, although one of us does more work than the other. So you wanted me to say my name? Yes. You didn't say that, did you? No, I was expecting you to actually follow what I was saying and join in with that almost telepathic link that we have. Well, I can only have a psychic link with people who can think. Oh! (laughs) Don't think the show's going to be co-hosted for much longer. No, you're just going to shoot me again? Yes, I'm going to shoot you again. I should get a lightsaber and chop your arm off. Do I have to fall off the chair again? Yes. I think that's getting a bit old by now, don't you? And painful. And very, very painful. the adaptation through my copy which is, well we actually have two of these don't we yeah i have um a thoroughly beaten up paperback black and white paperback published by sphere with a retail price of 75 whole pence uh, an australian price of two dollars fifty a new zealand price of two dollars fifty an ear price of 82p and a malta price of 80 cents so this was obviously a european print not an american print what's ear isn't that ireland ear Ear, ear, ear. I never knew how to pronounce that, even as a kid. Ireland. Ear, ear. Big 
Um, uh, this was published by Ballantyne in the States because it says at the front it's a black and white reprint of the first six issues of the Star Wars comic series that came out I think the first issue came out before the movie in the United States I was bought this by my mum in 1978 or 79 around the time I first saw the movie at the cinemas at a holiday camp Uh, well actually I have conflicting memories of this I vaguely recall seeing Star Wars at the cinema in a holiday camp with my mum and Peter when I was very 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 small Okay. But I also remember seeing it for the first time at the cinema as a double bill with The Empire Strikes Back. And I don't know which one of them is true. Maybe they're both true and you didn't watch it for the first time in a double bill. You thought you watched it for the first time in a double bill. So how come I also remember seeing it at the holiday camp and thinking that seeing it as a double bill was my first time? Maybe you forgot you saw it at a holiday camp because you were very, very, very little. But it must have been after I saw Superman, because the first film I saw at the cinema was Superman the movie, and that was released in 1979 in this country. Okay. So I am I am slightly confused about that, and I don't remember, to be honest with you. It's all disappeared into the midst of time. I read this book till it fell to bits, quite literally. Obviously. Yeah. Uh, yes, the condition it's in now. The pages are, sto- are torn away from the spine. Pages are falling out. It's it's far from mint condition. Yeah. And I don't care. No. I loved this when I read it. This book really was my introduction to Star Wars. Before VHS and DVD and downloads and full of toys and the cartoons and Blu-rays, there was the comic. Now, back when I was five, if I wanted to see Star Wars again, I had to go to the cinema or read the novel or read the comic. So I did. I preferred the comic. I enjoyed the book immensely, but the comic seemed closer to the film. Um, Of all the best comic book adaptations of other properties, Star Wars best lent itself to comics. We also have the oversized treasury editions. Uh, For those that don't know, these are oversized comics. They're quite huge. Oversized treasury editions? Oversized Oversized. treasury editions. Overpriced treasury editions. Oversized treasury editions, for those of you who don't know, they're oversized. Yes, they're, they're much, much bigger than your average comic. In fact, they're much, much bigger than your average house. Uh, treasury editions were quite popular in the 70s and 80s. I would tell you the dimensions, but I don't have a ruler to hand, but they're quite big, trust me. Um, they're full colour, the two editions. Um, the first one features issues 1, 2 and 3 of the Marvel comic series and the second one features issues 4, 5 and 6. Again, these are really beaten up. Um, what's interesting about comparing the two, other than the oversized pages of the treasury make the art look pretty cool, is that the different dimensions of a paperback boot mean the art has been extended in the black and white paperback in a number of places, often quite clumsily in some instances. Where they've just like drawn an extra bit at the bottom and you can quite clearly see the line the where the art should have ended on page one where the Imperial Stormtroopers attacking the Blockade Runner. And it's all the way through this. The book has a cover by Rick Hoberg and Dave Cockrum that is very similar to the movie One Sheet by the Hindelbrandt brothers. It has Luke, tunic ripped open to reveal his muscular chest, brandishing his light sabre above his head, whilst Princess Leia, showing far more thigh than we should show in the movie, kneels before him holding a blaster pistol. Behind the head, X-Wing fighters zoom skyward and the spectral visage of Darth Vader hangs overhead. It's very evocative of the covers of Edgar Rice Burroughs' John Carter Warlord of Mars books that my stepdad used to have. Treasury number one has the same cover as the black and white trade paperback and opens with a still from the movie on the inside front cover 
with Luke removing R2-D2's restraining bolt. That's quite unusual still, that. I don't recall having seen that one anywhere else. It's not the famous one of him kneeling down. Okay. He stood up pointing at R2's head. I don't know why he'd be pointing at R2's head, but anyway, that's what he's doing. The book has an introduction by Stan the Manly, co-creative genius behind many of Marvel's best characters. Spider-Man, the Hulk, the X-Men, you must have heard of a few of them. And the writer of the adaptation, Roy Thomas, also did an introduction, thanking George Lucas for making a pretty fun film. Um, The book begins with a full-page shot that looks very similar to the cover, and the credits... Roy Thomas is the writer-editor, Howard Chaikin is the illustrator, and Jim Novak is the letterer. There's another full-page shot in the boot this time, the cover of the first issue of the Marvel series, yet again a montage of images, with Vader's disembodied head floating behind them. They were big on disembodied heads mm. in the 70s, weren't really? they? Well, just doing the Star Wars one, there's about six where Vader's looming over <laughs> the top of them. Not terribly convincingly. Um, Han Solo is on this one, as is Obi-Wan Kenobi, even though neither one of them appear in the issue. And Han Solo seems to wear any Stormtrooper outfit. Although you can't really tell in black and white. Has this got it in in colour? Yes, it has got it in colour. So there you go. He's kind of wearing a brown no, waistcoat. It does look like he's wearing a Stormtrooper. It does, doesn't it? Just coloured it They've coloured it wrong. Wearing his own clothes. Because, yes, that's, that's just very, very strange. story begins. Oddly, there's no a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Oh my. I know, that's quite, well, I'll say that, isn't it? Yeah. wonder if that was on a later draft of the script, and that's why it's not included. Because the novel doesn't have a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away either. It has a prologue talking about the Emperor and the fall of the Republic, which is very similar to what happens in episode 3, Revenge of the Sith. So Lucas had some of it planned out from the beginning. And then there's a quote from Princess Leia. They were in the wrong place at the wrong time. Naturally, they became heroes. But there's no long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. The actual title of the book is Star Wars, from the adventures of Luke Skywalker. So the novel was obviously written when it was all thought to be Luke's story rather than Anakin's. Little orphan Annie. Sorry, I stole that gag from Robot Chicken. The opening scroll differs slightly from the movie, but the opening's the same, albeit from a different angle. A Star Destroyer pummels a much smaller vessel, a rebel blockade runner, under the awesome might of its ion cannons. C-3PO and his counterpart R2-D2 flee the melee inside where rebels are being attacked by Imperial troops. Meanwhile, on the planet below, Luke Skywalker watches the attack with his macro binoculars. 
work on the destroyer, Darth Vader interrogates a rebel pilot looking for tapes of some kind. Meanwhile, R2-D2 retrieves something from a beautiful-looking girl, and he and C-3PO board an escape pod. Back on Tatooine, Luke meets up with his friends, one of whom, Biggs Darklighter, is leaving. In space, Vader interrogates Leia and then orders a battalion of troops to locate the escape pod he has just learned about. R2 and 3PO crash land and take off in separate directions, but R2 is attacked by Jawas. Back on Ankerhead, Biggs tells Luke he secretly made contact with the Rebellion. Ankerhead's the town on Tatooine, by the way. As he leaves, Luke tells him that he'll always be the best friend he's got. Pay attention to that line, it comes in useful later. Meanwhile, in what we're told is a soulless conference room somewhere in the galaxy, we meet a bunch of Imperials crowing about how Vader will be their undoing. He walks in with the Grand Moff Tarkin, who informs them that the Senate has been dissolved by the Emperor. General Tag reckons the Rebellion offer a clear and present danger, but Hubris takes over and Admiral Motti feels the Imperials are unbeatable. Vader admonishes him with a force choke. On Tatooine, the droids are sold by the Jawas to Luke Skywalker and his uncle Owen, and Luke takes them for a clean-up. Whilst there, he discovers a holographic message from the pretty girl we saw earlier. She tells him, Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. And Luke is immediately smitten by both her and the message. He makes the mistake of telling his uncle, who gives him a tongue lashing. Owen's wife, Baru, tells him that Luke's not much of a farmer. He has too much of his father in him. Luke returns to the droids, but R2 was taken off. Bright and early the next morning, Luke and 3PO take off after the R2 unit, while unknown to Luke, Imperial Stormtroopers investigating the escape pod. Luke and 3PO find R2, but are attacked by Sand People, who are also called Tusken Raiders, the caption helpfully informs us. And that's where issue one ends, which is only about, is that 15 minutes into the film, roughly? Yeah, kind of. Because Han Solo comes in at the, I want to say, 30 minute mark. But it may actually be a bit later than that. There's stuff in this that isn't in. There is quite a lot of stuff that's not in the mood. Um, In fact, the name of Luke's planet, Tatooine, is not mentioned at all in Star Wars. But here, it's mentioned on the opening page. So, whether that was in the script, uh, and they just didn't get around to mentioning it in the film, uh, we don't know. Um, Tons of kids must have read this, because we all knew the name of the desert planet in the playground. Page 2... There'll be no escape for the captain this time. In the film, this line says there's no escape for the princess this time. The scene with Luke watching the battle and meeting Biggs is cut from the film, which is why this adaptation was so cool, because there's loads of bits in it that's not in the movie, particularly in this first issue. All the stuff with Biggs and Luke's mates, Cammy, Fixer and Wormy, none of that's featured in the film. Uh, although it's kind of like holy grail to Star Wars fans to actually see most of it. Although I think most of it's been leaked by now, hasn't it? And wasn't it in the radio series? A lot of it was in the radio series as well, and it's in the novel. And there was that DVD-ROM a while ago. Do you remember what that was called? Was it Behind the Magic or something? Yeah. That had that entire... that The scene where Biggs and Luke talk and yeah. he shows him there's a battle above. That was on that, wasn't it? Yeah, and you could get to do a tour of the... Um Millennium Falcon. Yes, you could. Yeah, yeah, we, you could tow the Millennium Falcon in 3D. I don't know what a Millennium Falcon is. What the hell's an Illumium Falcon? <laughs> oh, robot chicken has so much to answer for. Page 3. Darth Vader says he's searching for tapes, which is changed to plans in the film, which makes it sound a lot less dated. Uh, so one of the things about the original Star Trek, they still refer to data tapes. No one uses tapes anymore. I still do. Well, you do, yes, because you're retro. Um, although in Star Trek they do look like discs. Yeah. They don't look like tapes. Well, maybe the discs are called tapes or they were ahead of the time and didn't know what to call them, so That's they just called them tapes. Very true. 
The Jawas on page 7 attack R2 whilst he's still talking to 3PO, presumably for reasons of space. It's easier to just depict that as all happening in five panels rather than have the film where 3PO wanders off on his own and R2 wanders off on his own and then the Jawas attack R2 and then the Jawas attack 3PO. It's all a bit more compressed here. Um, We don't actually see the Jawas capture C-3PO in the comic. No, we don't. He's just... He's just... He's there, yeah. He's on the sandcrawler when we next see him on page 16. There's no real mention of the Joe was getting him, but you can assume that they did, because mm. otherwise we've got no story. Oh, we have, but it's just R2-D20 zone. Which, you don't really need 3PO, in it? No, not really. It's just a whiner, isn't he? Yeah, he does nothing but whine himself and pleasure himself in one scene in the film. What? The pleasure... What? You're not saying that. There's <laughs> no. a bit in the bit where he's in Luke's garage where he gives them their oil bath. Yeah. There's quite clearly a bit where... where C-3PO is cleaning himself off in the groinal area, (laughs) which looks like he's pleasuring himself. (laughs) Not that a droid can pleasure himself. (laughs) I I presume that they can. I I don't know. Have feelings. Yes. Well, if it's transmetropolitan, they can get high. (laughs) Yeah. As we mentioned on the transmetropolitan, so so. Page nine is quite an important part of Star Wars lore. It's the first mention of the Sith. Is it really? It is indeed. Nowhere else, as far as I know, in any of the films, does it mention the Sith. But the Darth Vader, Dark Lord of the Sith, tightens his fingers on the rebel officer's throat. Now, I don't know if that's if he being a Sith Lord is mentioned in the novel. Let's have a quick look. of the novel a dark lord of the Sith was an awesome threatening shape as it strode through the corridors of the rebel ship fear followed the footsteps of all the dark lords so dark lord of the Sith is also mentioned in the novel so Sith was there from the beginning which just shows how much Star Wars has permeated culture in that two of the six films have made up words in the title yet everybody knows what they are everybody knows what a Jedi is everyone well, pretty much. Even my nan knows what a Jedi is. A Jedi. Well, maybe she calls it a Jedi. <laughs> Jedi Clampett. <laughs> Leia Clampett. I almost put um, Jedi down as my religion in school. It said, like, Christianity and Buddhism and Muslim and stuff are other. And I was so tempted to tick other and put Jedi. Apparently, when we did the census ten years ago, enough people put that for, it to become... for Jedi to be called a religion. Cool. Yes. But anyway, you know, what what, what floats your boat? Um, if General Tag, or Taggy, however you pronounce it, survived the destruction of the Death Star, which is quite unlikely, really. Do the off on off ship at time? Yeah, if he, if, he, if, he, if he decided, yes, the rebels are a threat and I'm leaving, I don't care what Peter Cushing says, yeah. um, then he really should have been given a promotion by the Emperor, because he's the only one who feels that the Rebellion are a threat. Everyone else just says, no, no, don't be silly, General Tag. Who was played by Bullman. Bullman. You don't remember Bullman, do you? No. It was a TV show. Oh, okay. Starring 
that guy who played General Tag. Right. Okay. I'm, I want to say Don Henderson. I want to say his name is. I may have to check that, but I think, you know, it doesn't really matter, does it? You know, one of the things I did find when we were typing up the notes for this, droids is in my spell checker. Is it? Yes. Lightsabers not. Lightsabers not, no, but droids is, which is quite strange. Um, Luke, at the end of the issue, gets attacked by the Tusken Raiders, or the Sand People. Oh, no. Which is what they're referred to as in the film. Um, and it's that's a bit rougher in here than it is in the film, isn't it? Just a bit. He quite clearly gets the crap kicked out of him here. Whereas in the <laughs> film, you just see a couple of quick cuts and then the sand person going, woo, woo, woo. <laughs> Well, it mentions in here he's <laughs> laughing. Does he laugh? Because it sound, kind of sounds like... <laughs> Maybe he's, he laughs before he kills people. <laughs> Maybe he's just one of those freaky people. So that is laugh like... <laughs> oh, look, they don't really do a very good job of killing Luke, given oh. that they knock him out and then just drag him over to the land speeder and leave him there mm. in the film. Maybe they're going to cook him alive. Yeah, maybe they're going to eat him. Very I don't know. Alive. Come <laughs> Different film. Oh, uh, we're getting our Star Treks mixed up with our Star Wars, is there? Mm-hmm. You know there are people out there who would lynch us for that. Really? Yeah. Those shadows are they the Captain same James T. Skywalker. Are they the same people who put Jedi's religion? <laughs> I don't know, I think being a Jedi would be quite cool those, as a religion. Those people in fanboys. Yes. I thought fanboys was crap. I didn't mind it. Even Kristen Bell couldn't save that. Toss heap of a movie. Do you have anything else to say about this? Yeah, I have a lot to say about oh. this. Cut me out. Oh, right. <laughs> I did not mean to do that. Ah, uh, it's alright. The first page in this was more dynamic than the film, but it was less iconic. Yeah, the the wedge shape yeah. appearing over your head is, is pretty hard to beat now. And has been parodied in everything. Everything. Ferris Bueller. I've not seen that. You've not seen Ferris Bueller, the, the Ferrari comes over the top of the screen to the Star Wars music. You need to watch Ferris Bueller. I've been told that actually. Everybody needs to watch Ferris Bueller at least once in their life. It was just me that finds it funny that robots use life pods. No! Oh. <laughs> they don't have droid pods. <laughs> no. Or dead pods. Or dead pods. Do you really think R2 and 3PO are dead though? They're not alive. R2's got more personality than most of the people in the prequels put together. They're not and alive. that's somebody who likes the prequels. They're robots. But robots, but R2's like, he's like a cat. Do they have a pulse? But I would I would wager R two D two does. <laughs> he has a heartbeat under Yes. Foot. I think R two D two is very, very smart so and funny. Think if you took his helmet off there is actually a There's a little man inside <laughs> there going, I'm inside the robot. Yeah. Like Kenny Bacon, I was given the part of the robot. <laughs> and he's never he's always referred to him as the, the robot. Yeah. I wonder if he even knows his character's name. Because I can't imagine he had to learn any lines. No. Sat inside R2D2 all the time. Occasionally just move the head around and press the button so the light comes on, and that's it. Did he do the lights as well? I think he did the lights. Oh, okay. I mean, some of them they were remote controlled, weren't they? Yeah. But yeah, I suppose he must have done the lights at some point. In page nine, panel three, Vader's helmet looks squashed downwards, so it's tiny. What your page now? And my page now? Same. Oh, when he comes into the um, Imperial Conference Room. Yeah. With Grand Moff Tarkin. He does look a bit crushed, though. Mm-hmm. And he's got yellow eyes in yours, because yours is in colour. It's not really something I notice in mine, with mine being black and white and all. Yeah. I think the artwork's better in black and white. Really? Yeah, I think the colouring's a bit garish in some places. Okay. Um, I mean, not particularly these pages that you're looking at right now, where Vader and Moff Tarkin walk in. In fact, the colouring's... I take that back, actually. The colouring's quite subdued. Some of the backgrounds are a bit cack. Yeah. A bright red background in Obi-Wan's hovel, but we haven't got that yet. 
but um, I kind of like this first issue out wise because it was more rougher and freer than the other issues yeah do you get the feeling Howard Chaykin just ran out of time and somebody else had to ink the other issues because there's a different inker on issue 6 isn't there yeah but Howard Chaykin always looks like that yeah he is very scratchy yeah but good I don't mind Howard Chaykin I like his art on uh, page panels 1 to 3 as well um, Darth Vader uses the force to get himself a drink which he can't have anyway, and then it disappears. He does, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know to say. He doesn't use the force to pull himself a little cup. Uh, yeah, but he, he wouldn't be able to drink that, would he? No. Maybe he was just showing off. Yeah. <laughs> what like, I can do. Uh, look what I can do. Look at my parlour tricks. <laughs> and then that, that causes Motti to take the mick out of him. Oh, yeah, you can bring a cup across the room, but, you know, you can't conjure up the stolen data plans, can you? <laughs> For my next trick, I will pull a rabbit out from my helmet. Or better yet, for my next trick, I will pull his lungs out through his nose. <laughs> That'd be funnier. Well, Using the force. <laughs> Ease his lungs out through his mouth. It's mentioned that R2-D2 is property of Ben, but uh, I reckon it's not, and it's something else he stole off Anakin. Um, there's a good line in the book, actually, later on when Ben and Obi-Wan or Ben whichever you prefer and Luke first meet and Luke asks him about his father there's a really funny line in it about uh, Obi-Wan not having the luxury of being able to hide behind a convenient lie like Uncle Owen can that line just laced with irony now oh Obi-Wan can't hide behind a lie can he no Mm. Mm. but back when it first came out that that didn't really matter where did they get Ben from (coughs) Obi-Wan anyway Um, I always just assumed that Ben was his name and Obi-Wan was his Jedi name but okay because like does Qui-Gon have a proper first name Qui-Gon Jinn like is he Robert Jinn Keith Qui-Gon yeah Keith Keith Jinn (laughs) 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 decided we can't really have a Jedi called Keith no offence to anyone called Keith but it's not really a Star Wars name so we will call you Qui-Gon or Keith Kyeth Kyeth Jinn that works Yet. Yeah. Put <laughs> some funny apostrophes in the middle of it. That's a Star Trek alien name, though, isn't it? Or French. Or French. Were there your thoughts about issue one? Yeah, I liked issue one. I liked okay. it a great deal. together by spit in fact it's not really held together anymore starts with another full page splash of Han Solo and Chewbacca under fire uh, actually taken from the cover of issue 7 of Marvel's comic book series Chewie looks like he belongs on Planet of the Apes mm. rather than being a Wookiee he does quite a bit though yes they do seem to think that he's um, a monkey which he quite clearly isn't then there's a reprint of the cover of issue 2 which is very melodramatic and 70s with Luke screaming swing that lightsaber a bear nor wear a 
vanished. <laughs> uh, they're being attacked by the denizens of the cantina. I don't remember this in the film at all. Stream out lightsaber, Ben. Oh, we're finished. <laughs> you know, it was the 70s. It was dramatic, oh, melodramatic. All covers were like this. The greatest space fantasy film of all, says the cover. Stan's totally putting it out there, isn't it? Uh, Luke Skywalker Strikes Back, which is almost the title of the next film. Is it? Almost. Uh, no, not quite. Uh, issue 2 is called Six Against the Galaxy. Seems a bit of unfair odds, but... Uh, again, written by Roy Thomas, drawn by Howard Chaikin, but this time inked by Steve Leia Lower, which I think is how you pronounce it. But I like that he's got Leia in his surname, so... Oh. What is that? how we got the job? <laughs> Your name's got Leia in the surname. We yeah, can't God. find somebody called Skywalker, you do. <laughs> or Starkiller, as he was originally. Luke is rescued by Obi-Wan Kenobi. Luke goes with this strange old man to his house where he abuses him relentlessly. I'm only kidding. Uh, he gives him a, a, a long, thin object that extends to play with them. <laughs> which... Swing that lightsaber. Yes. You, don't we tell people not to go with strange old men to their little hovels <laughs> in the middle of nowhere where they can give you a strange, long, thin item that extends when you play with it? But don't strangers have the best candy? Yes, strangers have the best sweets. That's very true. I'm only kidding about all that. Um, Obi-Wan watches the holographic message. He gives Luke a lightsaber from his dad and tells him that Darth Vader hunted down and killed the Jedi. He doesn't say Darth Vader hunted down and killed Luke's dad. Which I suppose is, you know, from a certain point of view and all that drill. Meanwhile, on the Death Star, which, interestingly, we haven't seen in the comic at all yet. Vader torches his daughter. Yes, that's, that's what we thought about that. Indeed. Uh, that'll teach her to stay out without permission. Luke and Obi-Wan find the destroyed Jawa cruiser and head for home, fearing the troopers will attract the droids, though. Whilst Luke's fears are borne out on the Death Star, Tarkin orders an alternative form of persuasion for Princess Leia. Back on Tatooine, Luke and Obi-Wan, along with the droids, head to Moss Eisley Spaceport, a wretched hive of scum and villainy. After avoiding a troop of patrol, they head to a local cantina to find a pilot that will take them to Leia's homeworld of Alderaan. They do, in the form of Han Solo and his Wookiee co-pilot Chewbacca. After an encounter with Greedo, who Han blows away for threatening to turn him in for dumping a smuggling ship... Han shot first. None of this self-defense from the special attention. Han didn't shoot first. Han shot only. Yeah. Greedo didn't shoot. I hate that. I hate, hate, hate that alteration in the special edition. Hate it with the fiery passion of a thousand burning twin suns. Yes, because, well, it's not just the change. It's one of the special effects crap. Yeah. That effect is terrible. And the fact that George Lucas now has so many yes-men in his company wouldn't take him to one side and say, George that effect is crap <laughs> is one thing but it changes the motivation of the characters suddenly Han Solo isn't this do out for himself reckless guy he was a nice guy from the beginning only shoots when he's shot at which is plainly <laughs> in the rest of the film when stormtroopers are around he just blows them away he doesn't give them any consideration say hey shoot at me first that's okay but the second one it makes Greedo look incredibly stupid can I say something yes do you think children are going to listen to our Star Wars podcast? Yes. Do you think parents are going to let children listen to a Star Wars podcast when you just swore? I didn't swear. You did. What did I say? You said... 
I want to bleep that out. <laughs> it's like, no, it makes no sense at all. Because now Greedo's this kick-ass bounty hunter who can't hit a barn door at one metre. <clears throat> and when he's shooting him, it doesn't he shoot a laser at him? And Han just moves out the way. You can't avoid a laser. <laughs> it's just shocking. But also, it retroactively makes Jabba not a scurry character. Because you've got the feeling here that Han's not scared of Jabba. And especially from the bit that he's put back in the film later, where Han walks on his bloody tail. <laughs> and it's... Oh, George, George... I don't care about all of the other alterations in the special edition. I couldn't give a rat's ass about any of them. But somebody needs to smack him about the head. Tell him that the Greedo scene needs putting him back to normal. And that the Jabba scene needs coming out. Didn't you used to have the three of them original editions on DVD on video yeah I kept my VHS copy of Star Wars just so I could watch the proper Han Solo scene did you get rid of it now yes I've got rid of it now because our friend Scott managed to get me a copy of Star Wars on digital versatile high quality super disc that is the special edition but the Greedo bit is the original so the original bits are original but it's special edition the, the rest of it is the special edition even the Jabba bit but the Han, yes but the Han Solo Greedo bit is the original Han Solo Greedo bit <laughs> which I'm very happy about because the Jabba bit I can just press skip on the DVD <laughs> player and it skips that bit out very cool and so I don't have to watch those bits ever again fair enough and if George hasn't reinstated it for the Blu-ray I won't be buying that either Stick that in your beard and smoke it. I've considered it if he, you know, will put the Greedo bit back. But he doesn't. Probably not. Anyway, Han Solo and Chewbacca have an encounter with Greedo. Greedo goes to meet Jabba the Hutt, who warns him that he better not let him down again. Um, The Jabba bit in this is quite interesting. Because obviously they didn't know what Jabba was going to look like yeah. when that? they drew the comic book adaptation. Who is that green dude and why are they calling him Jabba? Well, he's not green in mine, because mine's black and white. But he is green in yours, and he looks a bit ferrety, doesn't he? Yeah. He looks like a ferret. And then there's a bright blue pig stood next to him. And then a bright pink walrus stood next to him. <laughs> it's like, I know colouring palettes were limited in the 70s when they came to colouring comics but that's a bit unimaginative a green a blue and a pink alien very good they look much better in black and white um I don't know where they got that from I mean whether that was original concept art for Jabba because he's not even the actor the person who did it no he's not even Declan McCollin is he he's uh, he's somebody else but if you remember in the original adaptation of Empire Yoda didn't look like Yoda and then they redid it so that he did. I'm surprised they've not redone the art in this so he looks like proper fat jabber. Fat slug jabber. Oh, oh, oh. Luke and Obi-Wan arrive at Solo's ship, the Millennium Falcon. Coolest spaceship ever? Mm, second. What's first? The Viper. You reckon? Yeah. The Viper from the knockoff Star Wars. No, the Colonial Viper. I know that. Star Battlestar Galactic was a knockoff Star Wars. Was it? Originally, yeah. Yeah, the knockoff's better than the original. Oh, sorry. No, I'm not better, but the Viper's better than the Millennium Falcon. Do you think? I have both of them on my uh, bookshelf. I, I think I'd always go for the Millennium Falcon, to be honest with you. And the Viper is pretty cool, mm. as spaceships go, but it doesn't need wings in space. No, but it looks cool. It does, but that would help it fly in atmosphere as well. See? Yes. Um, and they jump into hyperspace. Did I just say that? I'm not sure. 
I don't remember, but I'll say it all again anyway. Uh, the hyperspace effect in the comic is quite interesting. It's just the Millennium Falcon with very little detailing on the underside of it, leaping through multicoloured lines of space. Yeah. So hyperspace in the comic doesn't look like the Doctor Who time tunnel. No, I think it's a lot cooler, especially in colour. Yeah, that, that does lose something in black and white. It has to be said. That is much better in colour. It's leaping through red, orange, green, blue, purple, and then white as it enters hyperspace. So hyperspace is ultimately some kind of negative space mm. by the looks of things. I can live with that. In a time matter unit. It does look quite good. Because it is entirely possible, in fact it's very probable, that they hadn't actually seen any of the special effects footage when they drew the comic. Fair so they actually did quite a good job to get as much of it right as they did. Really. I'd love to know what the timeline was with the comic and the novel when they were written because they have to be if the first issue of the comic came out before the film did they can't have seen the special effects footage they can't have done so they did a pretty good job all things considered the art is a lot cleaner in issue 2 thanks to Leia Lower and his inks the characters look a lot more like the actors but it robs the art of what makes it Howard Chaykin doesn't it yeah so you're trading off they do look a lot more like Harrison Ford and Mark Hamill and Alec Guinness a bit but it doesn't look like Harry Chaykin drew it anymore no but you know I suppose can live with that page 28 of my lovely little black and white one I don't know what page that corresponds to in your treasury edition but when they watch the holographic image from Princess Leia uh, she says you are our last hope not our only hope which is what she said in issue one Okay. so that's a bit of a continuity goof that she doesn't say, help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi, you're our only hope, in the comic book adaptation. Given that's probably one of the most famous quotes of the entire film. Seems a bit strange. Leia mentions Bail Antilles in the holographic message, not Bail Organa. Now, it's entirely possible that two people can have the same first name. Yeah. Because lots of people do. But isn't she on about her dad? Yes. And so this is kind of implying that Bail Antilles, Viceroy of Alderaan, in the name of my father, Bail Antilles. Yes, you are correct. So why is she calling him Bail Antilles instead of Bail Organa? Maybe he changed his name to hide from the Sith. But, like, they did such a good job of that when they renamed Luke Skywalker. I know, we'll just leave him with his dad's name. They didn't seem to be uppermost on the mind, that, does it? Changing the name. Farm boy on Tatooine. Yeah, well, whatever. So that must just be a goof then. Does that say the same thing in yours? Um, Did they fix it for yours? Or does it have the same mistake in it? I'm not sure. Um, yeah, Antilles. Right. Because I assume that Bail Antilles is Wedge Antilles' dad. Yeah. Captain Antilles. And he's no related. Because what's... He is Bail Organa in Attack of the Clones, isn't he? Yeah. So maybe they just have the same first name. I mean, how many Davids have you known? Michaels. Quite a few Michaels, I want to see. How can it be two different people when she's on about her dad and Bail Organa is her dad? I presume that Bail Antilles is just a mistake in the comic adaptation. Right, okay. And Bail Organa is actually her dad. Right. And whether or not George... I mean, I don't remember if Captain Antilles has ever officially been given a name, because he is in Revenge of the Sith, isn't he, Captain Antilles? Yeah. Because he wanted Dennis Lawson to play him. And Dennis Lawson said, no, because Dennis Lawson's become really snooty about having done Star Wars. Now he's a serious actor. <laughs> Thespian. I hate serious actors. Can't be done with them. 
It's been said before, but Obi-Wan is lying through his teeth here. However, when this was new, the possibilities of Obi-Wan and Luke's dad being some kind of interstellar Starsky and Hutch was quite provocative. says that the force is within all men not just those with midi-chlorians because he does say it binds everybody everyone knows of the force the novel actually goes into greater detail about how all people can use the force but for most people they never actually train to learn how to do it properly so that kind of gets contradicted later on doesn't it have you ever read the book? No. no. Was George Lucas not just doing a book about religion? Some people believe in it, other people don't. Well, you can read it as a religious analogue if you want to. Yeah. But ultimately, the power of religion and the power of faith wins out. So do you think that's really what he was saying? No. Possibly. Yeah. I mean, who are we to dispute? What he says. It was obviously very successful. Uh, page 39, Jabba looks like a ferret rather than the fat slug he will become in Return of the Jedi. Until the special editions in 1997, this scene would remain on the cutting room floor, and as we've already mentioned, I wish it had stayed there. Uh, Page 39, there's a scene between Vader and an Imperial General that's not in the film, but is apparently in the Star Wars Holiday Special. I've never seen the Star Wars Holiday Special. I thought it was poo. People say it's poo. How oh, could you not love it, though? It's the, Star Wars. The Ewok one as well. I've seen Caravan of Courage and Ewok Adventure. The droids. I used to love the droids, Cartoon. Treading softly in, in a danger zone. No weapon in my hand. <laughs> it's just this brain. They didn't say that. <laughs> well, I liked the droids cartoon. I didn't like the Ewok cartoon. Right, okay. But the droids cartoon was, was, was quite fun. Oh, well, I thought it was, anyway. Um, there's another full-page pin-up as we turn on to the next page, unless you have some thoughts about episode two. Um, yep. On page 21, well, my page 21. Your page 21 is not my one. page 21. Luke's lightsaber is pink. Prefiguring the special edition of the Empire Strikes Back were because of some bad rotoscoping. Darth Vader has a pink lightsaber. Well done, George. Way to do quality control. They always have pink lightsabers in this, though. Well, no, in, in this, this they do. Well, I think that's probably down to the colouring of the time, though. But Luke's lightsaber should be blue. Yeah. Not pink. But it's not his lightsaber. It's Anakin's when he picks it up. So maybe uh, George Lucas didn't know what he was doing. I don't believe that. No. He knew what he was doing when he made the first film. I don't believe that. I do. First film's great. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, 
page 22, panel 2, the torture bot, and this is a woman, Roman robot, rather than a big floating ball. Let's have a second. So it looks like Star Wars is relatively accurate. <laughs> oh, God, mate. It is, yeah, it's a, a female-looking robot droid, isn't it, instead of a big ball yeah. with um, a hypodermic needle sticking out of it. <laughs> Dr. Ball. Dr. Ball. She's lost the will to live. <laughs> Oh, I couldn't take this seriously reading it last night though because of Robot Chicken. Oh well, Robot Chicken and Family Guy have so much to answer for. Yeah. Ruining coolness. Yeah, Obi Wan Kenobi's lightsaber's red in yours as well. Yeah. Maybe they didn't know they were going to be different colours. Fair enough. That's possible, isn't it? All going to be the same. Yeah, possibly. I don't know. Again, like we said, they won't have seen the special effects when they drew this, mm. so they probably didn't know. But you'd think they'd have recolored it for the reprints. Probably, yeah. Well, you know, maybe they didn't. Um, there's also a bit, well, on uh, page 23, my page 23, on panel 4, mm. Darth Vader's got his very own uh, DJ. <laughs> Superstar DJ. Yeah. Here we go. He does look like he's mixing the decks, doesn't he? <laughs> now, here's a little number I like to call the Imperial March. I could have been a DJ. <laughs> yeah, you could. No, I, I really, no. really couldn't. And on um, panel 7 of my page 23, Luke's hair is different, and it's all combed back. That's because it's windy. Is it? Yeah, it's windy in the desert. It's blowing his hair back. It's no indication of wind, especially not... When his hair blowing same. back is indication of wind. <laughs> especially when it's all the same on every panel except for that one. Well, it's windy, though. He's going for the windswept Luke because he's getting over the death of Uncle Owen and Aunt Baru. Do you really seriously think Luke went... Yes! <laughs> when he saw Uncle Owen was dead. Because let's face it, he was a miserable old git, wasn't he, Uncle Owen? Yeah, you're not going to the academy. Oh, you're going to clean those droids. Oh. I'm almost convinced that was slave labour. Keeping Luke there to look after his oh, farm okay. for him. While he buggers off at night and plays poker, or whatever they play. Sabak. So um, Sabak, they play in Star Wars, aren't Goes to Toshi Station. <laughs> to pick up some power converters. <laughs> you know what I mean. Bloody robot chicken. And, um... On page 26, my page 26, Your page 26. On, on the far left is Morpheus, Sandman. Oh yeah, with his gas mask on. <laughs> yeah. Yes, that's very true, yes. That may be just coincidence. Probably. Because there is a guy with the gas mask in the cantina in the film. Yeah. So they probably just got given a bunch of stills of what they thought the monsters were going to look like and left it there. Probably. Bottom of your page 27, Yeah. the fifth panel at the bottom, it's a very good drawing of Harrison Ford. My page 35. I mean, even in black and white, it actually looks more like Harrison Ford than the colour one does. Mm. But some of the art in here does actually capture the likenesses of the actors quite well. Yeah. Some of it, not so much. Princess Leia seems to be quite difficult to capture, so does Peter Cushing. But, uh, no, that's a really good picture of Harrison Ford. And um, also, page, my page 32 again, panel 4. When I was reading it, I thought it was the coolest panel in the book. Which one? That one. Where oh, the one where Han Solo's... It is pretty good, that. And it, it looks good in colour as well. I mean, it looks just as good in black and white. Yeah. But the colouring on that is really good, with his blaster pistol reflecting off his face and him shooting at the troopers. That is... That's almost a direct copy of a still, though. I'm sure it is. Yeah, it is. I'm sure I've seen that still somewhere. Um, the thing that confused me about this, Chewbacca is still there after he shot Greedo. Right, Whereas in the film, yeah. he says, 
Chewie, go get the Falcon ready. I'll meet you in a minute. And then Greedo shows up with was Marathrape. And then he, yeah, and then he blows him away. But here, Chewie's still around. So Chewie just sat there all the time that Greedo was threatening to blow Han away. Just sat there going, oh, I wonder how he's going to get out of this one. No, he just sat there. Because let's be honest, if Chewie had stuck around, what he would have done, he'd have just sat down next to Greedo, wouldn't he? He wouldn't have said anything. He would have just sat down next to him and looked at him. And Greedo would have just crapped himself. So, like, you may kill Han, mate, but then you've got to get past me. And you've got to let the walking <laughs> So I, I, didn't, I didn't understand why Chewie was still there but didn't interfere. Yeah. Whereas in the film, he's, he's swanned off at that point. With the colour... With the colour one, um, Chewbacca's colour does change quite a bit. Yeah, he, he looks he looks orange, though. Also to the bit where it looks like he's got a moustache. And I love, <laughs> I love Chewie's dialogue, Kronk. <laughs> <laughs> and Chewie has some brilliant dialogue, Grunk. Grunk <laughs> <laughs> and Kronk. <laughs> Grunk and crunk. Yeah. <laughs> oh dear God. Brilliant. Um, <clears throat> there's another full page pinup in my black and white one that's fallen to bits on page 44 of Darth Vader and the Grand Moff Tarkin. It's just a blow up of the first appearance from issue one. Uh, but then they show the cover to issue three, uh, which shows the Star Warriors attacking the Death Star control room. For some reason, Princess Leia's with them. Mm. So I, I don't Does, um, I don't get that at all. Uh, Chewbacca and yours not look like the Chinese New Year dragon. He <laughs> does a bit. Uh, they're, they're inconsistent with how they draw Chewbacca throughout the whole thing, really. Yeah. Most of the time they just be seen to be drawing a shaggy ape. The shaggy man. Yeah. Or they're drawing Cornelius from Planet of the Apes. Maybe they've got the franchises mixed up. Issue three is simply called Death Star. Wait, just looking on this um, first page. Yes, yeah. I've noticed that the stormtroopers look different. Yeah, well, all the time. That looks more like a breathing mask. Maybe they thought there were going to be different stormtroopers. Okay. Because that mask really doesn't look like a stormtrooper mask, does it? No. But you know, here's another example of where they've extended the art quite obviously. Yeah, mine's on the feet. Yeah, yours stops at the foot there where mine carries on underneath and it makes Vader's cape look a bit off. Yeah. Looks a bit wonky that, to be honest with you. Um, Tarkin tries to get Leia to tell him where the rebels are by threatening to blow up Alderaan, her home world. She says they are on Dantooine, which I presume is kind of like a sister planet to Tatooine. Where Grandma Tarkin lives. Yes. Possible. Robot chicken. Yeah, forget that. Um, do you think there's a Mactuine? A Mactuine? I don't know, there's a Tatooine and Dantooine. And a Big Brotherine. Maybe Uine is just like a popular prefix for planets. Or maybe they were um, naming planets whilst hitting some dudes, so it's Tatooine! <laughs> Tatooine! Uh, uh, Leia says they're on Dantooine, but Tarkin wants to show Leia who's boss, so he blows up Alderaan anyway. On the Falcon, Obi-Wan feels a disturbance in the Force. He takes a moment to rest and teaches Luke how to fight with his eyes shut, which will also come in useful later on. The Falcon comes out of hyperspace into a meteor shower, one that's not on any charts. They pursue a TIE fighter that they fear may identify them and run smack dab into the Death Star. The Falcon is caught in a tractor beam and Han Solo suggests they fight. Obi-Wan offers an alternative. Meanwhile, Tarkin, fed up with Leia, orders her death. 
Vader, however, feels that she may yet be of some use to them, especially with the arrival of the Falcon. He takes a crew down to the hangar bay, which reveals nothing, but Vader, however, feels... something. The Star Warriors nick a couple of Stormtrooper outfits and make their way off the ship to disable the tractor beam. Obi-Wan takes off on his own to accomplish this task, but when R2-D2 discovers that Princess Leia is here, Luke convinces Han to help him rescue her with the promise of oodles of cash. The duo take Chewie as a pretend prisoner and locate the princess's cell, but not before taking out a few stormtroopers, Luke having no problem killing people as well as bullseye and want rats, and Han Solo suddenly has no compunction about letting people shoot at him first. Oh, sorry, special edition. Luke finds Leia and rescues her, but Han and Chewie are pushed back by the oncoming troops. Gnark. Gnark. Oh, is that another <laughs> classic piece of Chewy dialogue? Yeah. Gnark. What's that one? Gnark. Aru. 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 Oh, dear me. I can only assume they didn't know what Chewbacca was going to sound like. I can do a better impression of Chewbacca. I can't do an impression of Chewbacca, but I can't do an impression of anything. We've, we've already discovered that. Now, they look like proper Stormtrooper helmets. Yes, they do. So I don't know what was going on with that Stormtrooper on episode issue one, page one, yeah. or page forty-six. Some of them look quite cool. Yeah, well, the ones, right. the ones that Luke and Hannah were in once they steal the Stormtrooper uniforms look pretty good. All of them look great when they're attacking the control room, killing people left, right, and centre. But Han Solo, you know, can't be shown to be killing people in cold blood, apart from when he does. Um, the geography is a bit screwy on my page 48. Obi-Wan and Luke are still in the cockpit with 3PO at their side when he feels Alderaan blow up. But a panel later, they're down the hall and 3PO's watching R2 play chess with Chewbacca. So I don't know how that works. But later on, um, a bit later on after they've rescued the princess, I don't think we're giving anything away there. Um, they're all sat in the cockpit, which is considerably larger in the comic than it is in the film. Uh, the comic thus far has avoided showing the Death Star so that we the reader get to see a full page spread at the same time the characters do you can see why they didn't do it like this in the film mm. but it's really effective in the comic and it's, it gives a good example of just how big the thing is when compared to the Millennium Falcon so I, I'm quite impressed with that it put, Roy Thomas obviously put some thought into how he was going to make this work as a comic rather than just copying the film script. Uh, Luke's a lot more decisive in the comic book adaptation than he is in the films. He's a lot less of a whiner as well. Mm. You noticed? Yeah. He's a lot more gung-ho and go-get-em and heroic. I was going to play the drinking game just to see if I was sober by the time I finished. He doesn't whine as much in the comic as he does in the film at all. Even his line about, but I was going to the Tashi station, but I was in the comic, they, they cut him off. Yeah. But I was going to toss you. Oh, shut up, children! And, o- and Uncle Owen interrupts him, so he doesn't get a chance to be as whiny, and actually comes as a lot more—I don't know—boss-like, mm. which I suppose makes sense at the end of the film when he takes over Blue Squadron. Page fifty-nine, my page fifty-nine, where it's talking about um, next moment. Luke and Hannah blasting away. Their reaction excellent. Their enthusiasm undeniable. Their aim execrable. I think that's where I learned what that word meant. Execrable. Execrable. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, so it's pretty much the same as crap aims. Yes, that, that's what this, that's pretty much literally what it's saying. Yes. Um, Star Wars comics also taught me the word pariah right. and organic. So he says you don't learn anything from comics. 
That's why kids today don't have any good vocabulary. They don't read enough. In it. Always playing their accursed computer games. I don't understand them. Bleep, 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 and get off my lawn. I don't know where that came from. So does that mean you don't want to play on Red Dead Redemption? <coughs> yes. <laughs> I do want to play Red Dead. But you're saying these kids but that's cowboys. video cowboys games. Cowboys are cool. Not all cowboys. Not all cowboys are cool. cool. I'm going to paint my wagon. <laughs> <laughs> That's convoy, you <laughs> Dilbert. That way just painting in the wagon. Paint your wagons. I was born under a wandering we're gonna star. We're going to paint our wagon. We're going to paint it good. We're going to paint <laughs> our convoy. Again, we're going to paint that wood. Uh, Treasury edition number one finishes here with a covery. Cover. Covery? Cover. With a cover gallery and some more stills from the film. Luke and Obi-Wan hiring Han and Chewie, which is quite a popular still. And Princess Leia being talked to by the Grand Moff Tarkin while Vader holds her. The covers for the first three issues are on the back. And there's a nice full-page poster that is again just Luke with his lightsaber over his head. And Princess Leia showing lots of thigh while she clings to his leg. You have any thoughts about that one, Michael? Well, um... When uh, Luke's training, his mask-helmet thing is different in this than it is in the film. How different is it? Well, you know in the film... In the film, it's just like a rebel helmet, but with yeah. a big grey visor over it, isn't it? In this, it's a big grey visor, and that's it. Oh, yeah, it's just like a, a big... It's like the Red Hood. Yeah. Like the Joker was in Batman comics. Pretty much. Yeah. Isn't it lucky that Ben had one of them? Ben. Had one of them with him. Is oh, Han Solo had one with him. Is that the um, Star Wars equivalent of a gimp mask? <laughs> Waving the lightsabers around. Han Solo has a gimp mask on the Millennium Falcon. No. What is he and Chewie up to in the other world on those no. long space voyages? <laughs> Chewie's totally the dominator, though. Uh, oh, I don't know. I think Chewie, you know, I think Chewie can be quite friendly and cuddly. Mm. I don't think that it would be Han Solo, so I reckon it totally would be Ben's. <laughs> you reckon? Yeah. got to keep something in the arms of that cloak. <laughs> Fair um, in this, it's TX421 instead of TK421. Instead of TK421. Yeah. Well, when later on, it isn't THX1138, is it? Is it not? No, when he... Oh, I can't remember where it is. Unit number... Where are we? THX1138. Oh, we've not got there yet. It's the trash compactor stuff, isn't it? Yeah. But even that is unit... No, no, that's 36611789. I think that's the same as in the film. TK421, why did you actually post? Remember, where are we? Um, they also changed my favourite quote. What's your favourite quote? Um, she's rich. Rich? Rich, powerful. If you were to rescue her, the reward would be more than you can imagine. No, you got that wrong, man. I know I did. You screwed that up. Do it properly. She's rich. rich. Powerful. Who are you? Are you Luke or are you Han? She's rich. Rich? Rich, powerful. If you were to rescue her, the reward would be, be what <laughs> more wealth than you could imagine I don't know kid I can imagine quite a bit you'll get it I better do you want to do it the other way around now where you be Luke and I be Han no you were just Luke yeah do you want me to be Luke yeah right so then. you've got less lines you can edit then. the crap out of no no we're leaving all that in <laughs> any chance to embarrass you is he's going in the show Minute ago, all you didn't want to do was stay. Now, a minute ago, a minute ago, you didn't want to rescue. Now, all you want to do is stay. Marching into the detention <laughs> center is not what I had in mind. But they're gonna kill her. <laughs> Better her than me. <clears throat> She's rich. 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 Powerful. If you were to rescue her, the reward would be what? 
Well, more wealth than you can imagine. I don't know. I can imagine quite a bit. You'll get it. I better. You will. Okay, Chewie. <laughs> okay, kid, you better be right about this. Have me those things. Have <sighs> me those things so I can chain Chewie up. Yo! <laughs> um, and that's where treasury number one finishes. And that's where we will bring episode one of our Star Wars retrospective to an end. Next time, we're going to look at issues four, five, and six of our 34th anniversary celebration of Star Wars. We'll see you then. Bye. Bye. Hey Kids Comics is a The Devil Will Find Work for Idle Hands to Do production. All music used in the show is copyright by their respective copyright holders and no infringement is intended. Michael and Andrew make no money from this. They do it simply for fun. And because they have too much spare time. Ah. The opinions of Michael and Andrew expressed in the show are the opinions of Michael and Andrew and nobody else. We can be emailed on heykidscomics at virginmedia.com and our website is www.heykidscomics.webspace.virginmedia.com You can friend us on Facebook by going to Hey Kids, all one name, comics, all one name.